Sean, how's it? John here from SAFM. You're live on the radio. How's it going? Great, John. Great. Great to be connected to the homeland. You're so Especially in- on Nelson Mandela Day. You're so <laughs> impatient. What's going on? Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> where, where, where is Sean Thompson right now? I'm in Santa Barbara in uh, in California in my home here. It's a little suburb called Montecito. It's a lovely oh, little place. Oh, it sounds terrible. <laughs> it, the States are going through some interesting times. What's it like? Jeez, it's so unbelievably uh, divided here. You know, it like today, being Nelson Mandela Day, I think here was a guy, here was a man who came out of jail after 27 years, united a country that, 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 that was at war in sort of a, a matter of a month. And we've had a president here who in four years who successfully divided the country like it's never been divided before. Mm. Unbelievable what, what a difference in leadership. All right, 1977 world champion, but uh, like uh, you, you, you joined me on LinkedIn. I, I rarely use LinkedIn, but I had to note that your world surfing champion is the second last thing on your list of things that you do. Virtual keynote speaker, <laughs> code of activated purposes. Oh, yes, also just a surfing world champion. Is yeah, It just goes to show 77 is a long time ago. Jeez, it's a hell of a long time. It's like another life. Mm. When I look back now, it's it's like uh, another life. It's like there have been three waves in my life. There was the surfing aspect of it, and I retired from the tour in uh, in at the end of 1989. Then there was the, the business aspect. I had a company called Instinct that I started, and then uh, my wife and I started another company called Solitude over here in the States. And then, uh, and then after I lost my, after we lost our beautiful boy, uh, Matthew, uh, you know, I went on a different path, writing books, making films, and and doing inspirational and motivational speaking to all sorts of companies, huge companies, small companies, community groups, schools, universities. It's been a, it's been a great sort of third phase of my life, third wave. So much to talk about. Our guest is Sean Thompson. Sean, we're going to continue this chat in a moment. Just need to take a quick break. Host of things that you do, and it's uh, part of the reason we've got you in here is it's all very well being a world champion, but what happens afterwards, life after being a sports great. We're going to chat about that in a moment. You are listening to John Gerica on SFM. I think Google just exploded because I typed in to find out a little bit more about what's currently happening in surfing. I typed in surfing into Google, but I've never ever searched surfing in my life. So it asks me, what do you mean by surfing? <laughs> just so you know, <laughs> surfing is a surface water time pastime, a water pastime in which the wave rider, referred to as surfer, rides on the forward part of a wave or a moving wave, which usually carries the surfer towards the shore. Sean Thompson, there we go. You learn something new every day. <laughs> and I thought it was something you did on the web. <laughs> yeah. Let's, how is surfing at the Olympic Games? Surfing is there. It was supposed to be now. It's going to be there next year. When you were a surfer compared to what these guys are doing today, how different is it? Oh, it's a lot different. I think the sport uh, itself is much more sportified. We helped uh, create surfing as a sport. It was more of a lifestyle when um, when we started, and and there was this gradual progression into competition and ultimately a world professional surfing tour. And out of that, and uh, and the influence and uh, I think attraction that people had for surfing and for the surfing stars uh, led to the formation of, of a surfing industry. 
my cousin Michael, who started a company called Gotcha in South Africa. I started Instinct. We had the top two companies for a while in, in South Africa in the apparel business. So people really loved the whole surfing lifestyle, and then they started loving the competition. And then we had the Gunston 500 in South Africa, and we, you know, we used to get tens of thousands of people coming down to the beach. So surfing became um, much more than just something that you that you did before you went to school, before you went to university or before you started a job. It really became a career for many people. So it certainly evolved today. So the, the style of surfing today is radical. The guys are very um, maneuver orientated, doing a lot of aerial maneuvers, a lot of skateboard uh, influence. We have a, a really strong professional circuit. Well, we did uh, until COVID, the whole circuit Pro Circuit's been cancelled for yeah. 2020. It's going to restart up again in uh, 2021. But it's amazing to see surfing is going to be an Olympic sport in in 2021. That was always a dream, uh, a dream of ours. So surfing has really uh, evolved over the years, and it was great to have been there right in the beginning, and to have helped give it that kickstart. Uh, you're quite you're quite the film guy as well. Tell me about this documentary you made about J Bay. Uh, well. Um, I, I just I wrote a, a piece and it was produced with Billabong. It was called The Pure Line. It was a, more of a kind of a spiritual look at, at surfing. But the documentary that I'm most proud of was a, do, a doco called Busting Down the Door that I produced uh, and co-wrote with a friend of mine, Jeremy Goth. And gosh, and that one, I think we, we were in like 21 film festivals around the world, won a lot of film festivals. We had Edward Norton do the narration a uh, really great soundtrack with Iggy Pop, uh, Leonard Cohen, David Bowie. So, so uh, you know, really cool, cool soundtrack. And that uh, was really a story about how pro surfing was created um, during the 70s in Hawaii and the tumultuous creation. I mean, guys wanted to kill us. They felt that we were by, by turning surfing from a lifestyle into a sport that in some ways we were insulting Hawaiian heritage and culture. So guys were after us, gangs, and I had to buy a 12-gauge shotgun. I had so many death threats and a contract out on my life. So it, the movie tells uh, tells about all of this drama, and uh, it was quite a tumultuous start to, to the sport. It's a, it's a religion out there, isn't it? Very much so. Surfing, in in some ways, for many people, is like this obsession, this uh, this uh, religion, and and uh, I mean, even though now it's been a long time since I last competed in, in in a pro tour, I still love it. I still love getting out there in the water and connecting with nature. Uh, what was there a point? You say you retired in '89, but you've done so much while that was on. Was there a point where you said, "All right, I I can't." I, I can't do surfing anymore, or is that never going to be an option? I think surfing is very different from the mainstream sports like, uh, uh, you know, football, baseball, basketball here in the States, and of course, rugby, cricket in, in, in South Africa. Uh, surfing is very much sort of this individual, this individual pursuit. So it's something that you can continue with uh, throughout your life, you don't need a mate to go go surfing with. You don't need a team around you. You don't need a stadium. You don't need a a, a field. It's just you in the ocean. So I mean, I'm hoping that I, I'm going to be able to surf uh, till I die. Mm. And uh, there are surfers in their 70s and 80s, and and you know who push themselves. And and certainly, you know, you can't surf as good as you used to when when I was the number one guy in the world. But Certainly, the satisfaction and the love that I feel when I when I paddle out in the lineup is the same as I as, as I was when I first jumped up on a board in Durban at the Bay of Plenty when I was nine years old. Do you pick your waves a little bit differently, though? I imagine. 
Yeah, I'm not out there when it's uh, life and death anymore. When you know life and death situations, I'm certainly I'm certainly not out there anymore. Yeah, if it looks a little bit choppy, it's like no, 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 I'm going home. Yeah, if it looks like it's gonna you know possibly be like 12 to 15 feet and it can kill me, I've got a 10 year old son and I've got a wife that I've been married to for for 34 years now, and uh, yeah, and I've got to look after them too. <laughs> Were you, were you an extreme surfer at some point? Did you look at those big those big ones and think, I want to do that as well? Yeah, I surfed everything. You know, in our day, there was no such thing as uh, sort of a niche where you were a big wave surfer. Yeah. As a competitor, you surfed everything. You know, you, no matter what size it was, you paddled out uh, from, a, from both a personal perspective. And also, there might be a competition being held at a place called Waimea Bay when the surf was 25 to 30 feet. So you paddled out and and, and surfed it regardless. And many, many days out there, you know, we put our lives on the line. But we were confident. We were young. We were strong. And, you know, the the fear of death and the notion that that it might be your last wave never really played into the the pursuit. You know, you just wanted to to, to really push the envelope. You wanted to be the best you could be in in the most challenging waves in the world. I was going to say, isn't that the point of surfer? That's the best wave will be my last wave well i think uh, you know for any sportsman any sports person that really wants to be successful you've got to really push push the envelope and push it to the absolute maximum you know when you're confident and you you're fit and you're strong um you know you really want to see what you're made of and the only way to do it is is by putting your uh, life on the line there's that thin line between um, disaster um, and success, and uh, you know, as a surfer, we used to we used to ride that razor blade. You, you say uh, I don't know where this is from, but Ben said send it to me. Um, I was, it, uh, I wasn't blessed with an abundance of natural talent. I just went and surfed every single day. Yeah, I think I had this while I didn't have maybe this unbelievable natural talent i had this unbelievable natural love for surfing like i think i was a natural born surfer uh so i loved it and the more i surfed i think the better i got but i really had this commitment and this desire to not only be the best but the best that i could be internally and now when i i I, you know i speak at these huge companies all around the world the biggest companies in the world google cisco yahoo uh massive massive companies um, and I talk to people about a code, about creating this code that can help you be the absolute best you can be. And I get, I get, you know, millions of people around the world writing this code. Twelve lines. Every line begins with our will, um, and it's a commitment. It's like a manifesto mm. for success and for uh, for for living a commit a committed, purposeful um, life. So that's what I do now in the in the sort of the last sort of in this third wave that I'm riding. I should ask you what the code is, but you must make some money on that. So let's not do that. Uh, I do want to talk about your, your no, involved- no, no, you can ask me. Okay, you can go. ask me the code. Certainly, certainly the code started with a little card that I wrote about 20 years ago. I called it Surface Code. <laughs> and uh, it was 12 lines, every line beginning with I will. And it was the fundamental lessons that surfing taught me about life. I will take the drop with commitment. I will never turn my back on the ocean. I will always paddle back out. Just fundamental lessons. And I encourage people all over the world to write their own code. 20 minutes, take out a sheet of paper and write 12 lines that define who you are and who you will be. 12 lines, write it in 20 minutes. And I like to say millions of people have written their codes 
And the code is open source code. So it's free. Anyone can use it. And people write codes about rugby. People write codes about golf. People write codes about just about life. You know, I have these CEOs who've maybe got 50,000 employees. I did, an, I did a virtual event uh, uh, last month for one of the hottest companies in the world right now. They're called Gilead Sciences. Okay, yeah. it's the first company that have released a cure for COVID-19. So I did a, a virtual live stream for thousands of their employees around the world. And I had all of them writing their codes and sending their codes in <clears throat> virtually and sharing them with everyone else in the team. And it was amazing to see. And this is what I do with companies now. I get people write their codes. I will make a difference in the world. I will have faith. I will pray. I will be a better team player. Hey, man, I did I did this project with the Natal Sharks a few years ago. It was yeah. wonderful. Well, we know how good they about, are. Yeah, to talk about about the code and and you know it applies. I mean, I did it a month ago with a South African rehab clinic in a Manzum Toady. It was amazing to do it. I mean, I did I did it with this super cool group called LSD in in in, in Joburg. Uh, a, a really cool uh, a data company. So I do it with companies all over the world, and I love people just showing people this process, and they take it and they ride their own wave. Do you have to be a little bit the the one you use? I won't turn my back. Well, I will not turn my back on the ocean. That's obviously like facing your fears. How do you how do you admit yeah. to that in your code? Yeah, I think that is um, you know. The, the interesting thing about surface code and, and that statement, uh, I will never turn my back on the ocean, um, it can be interpreted in many different ways. I mean, it can be interpreted in the context of, of fear. Um, when I wrote that, I had my father in the forefront of my mind, and my father uh, was going to be was going to go and compete for South Africa in the Olympic Games in 1948 in London, and then just before he was attacked by a shark, a Zambezi shark that, that nearly killed him on, on Durban Beachfront at, at South Beach. And he never, ever lost, even after this terrible attack that changed his life and ultimately he could never compete in the Olympics, he never lost this great love that he had for the ocean. And sure, there must have been a lot of fear associated with, with the ocean and, and his shark attack. But my earliest memories of my father taking me down and teaching me how to swim and surf 100 meters away from sure. we'd had that terrible attack at, at South Beach. So, so he managed to transcend the fear through this love and passion that he had for the ocean and, and for swimming and surfing. So, yeah, you, you, you nailed it, John. You, you really nailed uh, the, the depth of that statement. Yeah, it's, it's, you've got to know what your fears are to overcome them. Otherwise, you're just Tot running away from them, right? Absolutely. Yeah, sure. and, and it's like – Confront it, confront it uh, absolutely um, head on. You mentioned the third wave. So the first wave was surfing. The one you're doing now is the motivation and the chats and, and getting people to be better. What was the middle one? Well, the middle one was really more more business with, with Instinct. I mean, I sold Instinct to, to my partners. I founded the company. Um, my wife and I created a company called Solitude here in the States that that we were lucky enough to sell to a big publicly traded uh, corporation. So really, it was the business. It was the business process, and and also having having our beautiful son Matthew, um, who we lost in 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 two thousand and six. So that that took me to when I was was fifty years old, and 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 after that, when my life fell apart, and when our lives fell apart, my wife and I, and we had to kind of 
rebuild it, rebuild our lives again after the loss of Matthew. You know, I wrote a couple of books that one was called Surface Code and the other one was called The Code, The Power of Our Will that, that ultimately became bestsellers. And then I made the movie Busting Down the Door. My life really followed the path of, of inspiration. Um, and I really saw the power that sportsmen have um, to influence and empower people. And I went back to university. I did a master's in leadership because I was fascinated by what Nelson Mandela had done in South Africa through through leadership and through his through using sport to ultimately fundamentally transform others and fundamentally transform the nation. Sport as a vehicle to bring people together, to inspire and influence people, to share this collective goal of, of having a better life. And uh, so I went back to university, and, and now this has been my focus over the last few years. How can I use, um, you know, the, the maybe the renown I had a long time ago, and it's amazing that people still <laughs> still remember and, 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 and love, you know, what I did through my career, and now I use it to, to influence and inspire people, whether it's a... A kid in 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 Katlahong or a kid in a ghetto in um, in Los Angeles, or, or or someone who's struggling through a rehab mm. clinic in a Manzum Toti, or or Gilead Sciences, where all these uh, team members are under incredible pressure, um, and, and and I use what what surfing has given me and what sport has taught me, and I've learned that every single one of us, regardless of whether you're famous or not, we all have this unbelievable power inside of us to influence others and ultimately to influence the trajectory of society. We all have unbelievable power. That's why I wrote that book, The Code, The Power of Our Will. We all have great power for good and we have great power for evil. And the only way that you can influence the trajectory of your life is with the decisions you make. And that's why this code is is such an effective little tool to, to chart out your future with hope and power. I want, I want to get your views in cricket. We're having issues, uh, and across the world, the Black Lives Matter is raising up, rightly so or wrongly so, depending on who you talk to, as you mentioned, the divide in the States. Uh, with black surfers, uh, I can't even think of one. Do we, are there enough black surfers happening in the world? Um, I think certainly we need more. We've got this amazing young, young guy in South Africa called Michael February, who's uh, come out of Cape Town and he was on the pro tour uh, a couple of years ago, made it to the, to the big league, uh, had a year on the tour, but now he's like become the sort of freestyle, like surfing artist right. um, in a way. And, and he's certainly inspiring many people. There's some great organizations um, uh, around Durban who really are, are, are NGOs who are really empowering um, and inspiring uh, young black kids um and so yeah yeah we need uh, we certainly need uh, you know need more guys um in the ocean we've seen uh, you know what happened like even though i'm in in the united states and you know rug is not a part of the culture here but when uh, when sia khaleesi you know became uh, the first black captain of the box and, yeah. and they won the world cup but like it was insane it was so <laughs> cool and uh you know that 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 type of stuff. I, I know it's had such a big impact on South Africa, and here with Colin Kaepernick uh, and yeah. his um, amazing, powerful uh, protest against racial injustice. And you know, sportsmen have got amazing power to um, 
to change things. And, and, and it's wonderful to see that many of them are, are using this power. And I've loved to have been on this road that I've been on, you know, using the, 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 the power that I have, obviously in, in, in limited fashion to really influence and, and, and inspire others. And I know you're modest. There's a list of things that you've done, but it is interesting that uh, a world champion can do so much like you are now. Imagine what somebody like Lewis Hamilton, who's a will be a seven times world champion, Michael Schumacher could have done. You know, the power that Roger Federer has, Novak Djokovic, those guys have just got so much power. We should be hearing so much from them, should we? Yeah, I th- but I think they do so much. You know, a lot of a lot of athletes just behind the scenes just do so much to empower and uplift people. And they're not looking for, you know, the kudos and the credit. They they, they just want to they, they just want to do the um, the right thing. And so many of these athletes have you know have built these wonderful foundations uh, for all sorts of different different uh, social causes. And yes, some athletes are activists and their names are, you know, are up there in lights. Uh, you know, you think of, um, you know, Muhammad Ali and, you know, these amazing um, athletes that have, have, have really sort of changed thinking. And then other athletes who, who superstars and just quietly, mm. they, they impact, uh, impact others and impact their communities. All right, so where can we find out more about what you're doing? I know that you're doing a whole lot of things do, during COVID virtually. So what's the best way to, to see what you're up to these days? <laughs> Yeah, so people can just go to my website, seanthompson.com, or I love to connect with people. Uh, my name's spelled S-H-A-U-N-T-O-M-S-O-N. So people from all over the world uh, connect with me. I love, to, uh, I love to interact with people. And uh, if someone has a, a unique uh, community group or um, some sort of social project that they're involved with, you know, I love doing pro bono, uh, you know, virtual live streams for them. Uh, and if you have something interesting and you have some, some, someone who really needs or, or a group that really needs um, some help, connect with me and maybe we can uh, slot it into the schedule. Uh, I, I, I love helping. I, I like to think that, you know, as a sportsman, when you help someone, who's the, who gets the greatest benefit? I think the donor. I think that, you know, the greatest, the greatest benefit goes back to me and, and, and it just really helps my heart and helps me in my my healing process after after losing uh, my beautiful boy i think for all of us when you're going through tough times giving is uh, is a great way to heal oneself too sean thompson honest chatting to you thank you very much for joining us awesome thanks for having me on cheers Yes, yes, Sean Thompson, 1977 world champion surfer, uh, as you heard, doing so many good things as well. Uh, in case you didn't know the story, I didn't really want to bring it up, but uh, he, he mentioned his son a couple of times. Uh, his son, Matthew, died on the 24th of April in 2006 in Durban, uh, an accident, accidental death caused by playing the choking game. You remember that made big headlines. Uh, it was featured in a couple of TV shows as well. Sean Thompson's son died on the 24th of April, 2006. So, yeah, thank Thank you very much to Sean Thompson for joining us. We're going to chat to Norman Aronson in a moment.